Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast brought to you by the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. I am joined here by the knowledgeable and very wealthy Ty Capone. Ty, how are you feeling after your plus .75 unit day on Saturday? Um, well, the wealthy part, I'm not sure about. The knowledgeable <laughs> part, not sure about that either. But we're, I'm here. we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> we're getting there. We're, we're slowly starting to build some momentum, honestly. I think, I the, think so, too. The beginning too. of the year, really um, rough. Really, yeah. There was a big hole we were in. So I, I have to add some of those sure. numbers up. There were days when I was going negative seven units. I missed every single play. Like it, it was. It was we don't have rough, to talk about days. those days. But as far as I'm concerned, they didn't happen. We're here, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we have a UFC Jacksonville event to talk about. We have some PFL drama going on in the mixed martial arts world, and a couple fight news that news and notes that we can go over uh, on the way out, but. Let's not bury the lead, ladies and gentlemen. Ilya Taporia with a dominant, dominant, unanimous decision victory over Josh Emmett this weekend. Busted him up. Uh, majority of the fight took place on the feet, standing. Uh, jab was tremendous. Defense was tremendous. Ilya Taporia looked uh, unbeatable on Saturday night. And uh, I, I had the sub. I thought he was going to implement a little bit more of that groundwork. He did at the, in the fifth round, and I feel like he could have had his way with him if he really wanted to, but uh, he was having success wherever he wanted to. So this was really, truly just a mismatch, and uh, now we know why the number was the way it was. Yeah, uh, you know, he took he took some shots too, like not not too many, but um, I thought he, uh, I don't know, man, Ilya's that's, that's somebody we've been high on for a while. And I think he's just getting better and better. Yeah. Each fight, every time we see him. I mean, how old is he? Twenty six still? He's not even twenty seven. Like, you know, Brendan Allen's starting to put put things together, and he's twenty seven only. Yeah. Macy Barber also, I think she's like twenty four. Uh, all three of them had amazing, amazing nights, amazing performances. Their stock went through the roof. All three of them. Um, two of them got a finish. One of them, I mean, we we haven't seen Taporia go five rounds. Yeah. From his UFC debut, he went three rounds with Yusuf Zalal, and he started to look a little tired. And it's crazy. He's already 6-0 in the UFC. Um, I feel like he just just made his debut. Um, and, he, you know, he's seen a bunch of different styles. He's, had, he's won fights in different ways. Uh, he overcame a lot of adversity against Jai Herbert, moving up a weight class, yeah. moved back down, took care of Bryce Mitchell. I mean, that was easy. That was his first out. <clears throat> Josh Emmett, always a tough out, hits hard. Uh, and he was able to wrestle him and pretty much just beat him everywhere. I mean, that eye was, I mean, the fight could have been stopped probably after the fourth round, but uh, at the end of the fourth, I believe, is when Josh Emmett threw, you know, a couple decent shots and was still, was still fighting. He was still, you know, in the fight, um, but man, he was, he was taking a nice little, uh, nice little beating. Um, what did you think about the 50-42 scorecard? I was just going to bring that up. I think that Chris that's Lee. fucking insane. A uh, 10-7 in that round. I mean, I... 10-8, fair, fair enough, but I, I didn't think that that man was getting beat up to that point. I think the 10-7 was just a little extra, but truly did matter. He, I think he got one round of any of the uh, scorecards, and probably rightfully so. It just, it's just how it went. I mean, he got dominated, man. There's really nothing you can say other than that. First round was somewhat close, but I still thought that Ilya Taporia won. And after that, it was smooth sailing, 
And uh, what, what do we have here? 50, 44, 50, 42, 49, 45. So a uh, little all over the place, but at the same time on, on the same side. So I can't get too upset about it. I mean, you know, you could ever <laughs> – when you have Chris Lee and Sal Diamato, you always know something's going to happen. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a score. I mean, there's only been um, three. I mean, some four, of the refs uh, 50, they were bringing out, too, and you have, might I add. Well, like, who the fuck is this guy? There was a lot of who the fuck is this guy going on uh, this weekend. Do you remember the last time there was a 50-42 scoring? In no. The it was in 2021. Calvin Cater, Max Holloway. Really? I, I mean, think there was just uh, three 10 eights. Uh, whereas in this fight there was a there was one ten eight and then there was one ten seven so I guess there was two ten eights but also only Chris Lee had ten eight in round three and a ten seven in round four just kind of crazy um, every the other two had a ten eight in round four um, yeah I don't I, I don't know if Chris Lee was pissed at Josh Evans he's like I'm gonna keep taking points from you I don't care in boxing it makes sense you know you get knocked down twice ten seven you get knocked down three times ten six anything more than that the fight's probably over. Uh, you're not going to give it all 10-5 or 10-4, but you see those in boxing much more frequently. There's only been three in UFC history. Uh, Rich Franklin was involved in one in 06, and many, Mene and Castillo in 2001. I forgot to look up who exactly they are. Maybe Danny Castillo. I'm not sure if that, that was him or not. But the fact that those really don't happen much, I think, tells you a lot about Chris Lee. Either way, this is not about Chris Lee. It's about Ilya Taporia and how he took care of Josh Emmett systematically just outboxing, just jabbing yeah. the fuck out of him, knocking him down, taking him down, getting his back, <clears throat> landing some shots. And when he wants to throw low kicks, it's something that I, I would love to see Ilya do more. But when he throw, when he was throwing those light kicks, devastating. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, didn't go to the body as much as Josh Emmett, but I think a lot of that was because Josh Emmett couldn't find the head of Ilya Taporia, and Ilya was finding the head of Josh Emmett easily. So 28%. Significant strikes landed for Josh Emmett. Really low. 43 of 232 to the head, man. Ilya Taporia's boxing has just gotten so much the better. The jab was His phenomenal, man. That just jab. Can, he was just, yeah, I'm sorry. Pumping it. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, just pumping it. At, like, at, with ease. Just with with extreme ease. You know, he just made it look simple. His movement, his body language, everything about him in that fight. His cardio. You know, he didn't go balls to the wall. But he can go balls to the wall. Um he, you know, I think maybe a striking defense is the only weakness of his game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, how many people could you say that about? Like, that's a lot of UFC fighters who have a striking defense issue in, in a way. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know if that's if that's really going to hurt him. Like, I, I guess, you know, he fights a Yair Rodriguez or Alexander Volkanovsky or Max Holloway, which I think one of those three has to be next, in my opinion. Yeah. I know, you know, he's still young and. And whatnot, but what, what what more do you need to see? He's taken pretty much Josh Emmett's spot at five, and he's leveling up each fight. If he takes a couple months off and waits for it, does, does Max have a fight? I feel like he does, right? With Korean Zombie, yes. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be a layup, man. That's that's yeah. a tuna fight. So, um, sometime in the fall, yeah, maybe those two yeah, run it. Maybe maybe you know you wait, or if Ilya wants to stay busy, move up, take a nice little fight at one five. I don't care, man. He. It's funny, if you ever listen to him speak Spanish and then speak English, he sounds, like, completely different. Like, in, in Spanish, he sounds kind of like a killer. Like, you know, he's got that bravado, that machismo. And in English, he's, it's kind of like a – I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of cool to watch, like, the change. But also, it was very cool to see all the Spanish figures. I know he's Georgian. Um, you know, he was born in Georgia, but he's kind of adopted Spain as his, 
as his homeland, and they've adopted him. Sergio Ramos, that's a big, yeah, man. That's a big time athlete showing up. And you know, he wasn't staying in Jacksonville long. He got on a plane, went right to Miami, and, and partied it up that night. So I, I think Ilya Taporia has a chance. Maybe not Connor level, but I think he has a chance to really um, put Spain on the map. I mean, who has Spain had as a superstar in combat sports? Um, Juan Espino. <laughs> that's your boy. Hey, man, I, I've lost a fair um, amount of money on Mr. Espino. You know, I love Joel Alvarez as much as the next guy, but no. uh, he, he's more of an exciting fighter. I mean, I guess, you know, when it comes to boxers, you have Roberto Duran, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Um, I'm trying to think of other other Carlos Monzon, Alexis Arguella. Um, but those are a long time ago. Like, there hasn't really been a Spanish uh, combat athlete that's been, you know, a superstar. And I think Ilya Taporia, they have a really good chance at, at finding finding something. I mean, if they want to go to Spain, host an event, you could definitely put them on there and they would show the fuck out. I don't see why they wouldn't, you know? If, yeah. just, just like when, who did Connor go to Ireland and fight? Was it Brimage or no? Uh, Dennis Seaver? I thought he fought one of them in his first couple of fights was in Ireland. And that's, you know, pretty much when he Dennis blew up. Seaver, I think. Because the place went nuts um, and he jumped out and yeah. went after Jose Aldo, if I, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... And I think Ilya Taporia is, you know, he's he's not a prospect anymore. He's ready for the, you know, number one contenders fight or the title fight. Or, you know, because you, you never know. A guy gets hurt, Alex, you know, Volkanovski loses and then gets hurt or something and he's out for a year. You never know. And plus Alex and Max, they're on the way out. You know, I, I think they're both still in their prime-ish. I think they both still have a lot to give. But, you know, they're, they're not going to be around for another three, five years. Alexander Volkanovski is the longest reigning champion currently. That's not going to last long. You know what I mean? Like, that might not last until his next fight. We don't know. So I really like the stock of Ilya Taporia. If you're out there and you want to buy a, a UFC card, you buy an Ilya Taporia card right away. Ilya Taporia, Hamza Chemaev, Shabkat Rachmanov. Those are my top three, quote-unquote, prospects. I know they're all probably ready for a top five fight, right? So I don't know if you want to call them that. But I'm just uh, – I love Ilya Taporia. I love his whole game, and I know you do as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, tell me a little bit uh, you know, of what you uh, took away from this. A couple things that I'd like to uh, correct. Uh, one, the Connor fight was against Brandau in Brandau. Uh, Fuck, I forgot yeah, about that. In Dublin. And uh, I forget what the other thing was. Something. One of the boxers you named was Panamanian. Oh, Roberto Durant, Panamanian. That's what I just okay. saw. I saw that I pop up on my screen. Nah, uh, I, I literally had to look at it because I, I thought the same thing and I was like, wait, let me double check this. Um, yeah. I will say Ilya Taporia, I think he is so good that there's levels of his game that have not even been shown because he's so good on the feet. He really, I, I mean, to have a, as many submissions as he did coming into the UFC and then to just basically be fighting all of these fights essentially in the stand-up and he'll fight at 55 and he'll get hurt. He, like, there's nothing that Ilya Taporia, El Matador, hasn't shown us that we should be like questioning a part of his game. He is 100% ready for that championship level of fight. Now, I don't know what could be next for him. Like, like a, a name like Arnold Allen would be fun, but I, have to, I think like yeah. he's won in a title no matter what. Or he could probably fight for the title straight away if he's – because if, if Volkanovski is able to get through Yair, really what else is next for him if it, at 45? The thing is you don't know what's going to happen next at 45. Is he going to jump up to 55 and then you're going to have to fight for an interim belt? I could see that happening. Yeah. Max Holloway has a uh, li- you know a little bit of a bump in the road to 
for sure. Get over, just step over pretty quickly in Korean Zombie because it's a retirement fight for Korean Zombie essentially. And Max is still somewhat in his prime, looked great in the Arnold Allen fight. So it's really just what does Ilya, you know, I mean, and there's Brian Ortega still just hanging out there. I don't really know what they're going to do with him or what the plan is, right? Because he's still hurt, I guess. We haven't really heard yeah, much he's about also, him. Also, I think single. So he is. Yeah, he's, really, he's really going through it. Yeah, so you got to watch out for that. Uh, you know, he may be angry, or he may it may just uh, consume him, and Mr. T said he would have nothing. In your girlfriend's DMs. If he's in my girlfriend's I hope not. DMs, he, uh, she's as good as gone. Yeah, so. I hope not. Uh, so, yeah, listen, Elliot, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for whatever's next. This is one of those guys where he probably, other than Yair, I think Yair, the Volkanovski fight's going to be awesome. He presents... As big of a problem. Volkanovski for a while was uh, running through some boring sort of title defenses where he was just so much overmatching these guys. Now I think he has some serious competitors and, and contenders facing him right now. And uh, it's not good. You know, he's getting older. These guys are hungry, have been chasing him for years now. It's, uh, we're going to see really what Volkanovski is truly made of. I think he's definitely built. Not, nothing, don't, don't let that take away, but these are some serious guys that are hunting him down and coming after him. So uh, I, I just love watching Elliot Taporia fight. I can't wait to see what's next. Would love – I think him and Holloway is the, what, is the thing to do, though. I think that is uh, yeah. fireworks, uh, five rounds, uh, some sort of fight night somewhere. I don't want it to be a three-rounder on some pay-per-view. It has to get a five-round, and let's figure out who truly is the best. But That would be an awesome fight, man. I think the fight I would – like if you – uh, had the the whole slate clean, and we're just starting over from from scratch. I think one of my top five most uh, fights that I would want to make would be Taporia and Yair. I think that would just be yeah. insanity. I agree. I, I wouldn't know. What, I don't even know what would happen. Um, also, Volk turns thirty five in September. Yep, there you go. Yeah, that's that age of demarcation. Um, I, I think he's a bit of an outlier, and there's going to be outliers, right? Um, but. Whew, that's gonna be tough, man. You're going against all these hammers who are pretty much, you know, right in the not even in Taporia's not even in his fucking prime, man. He's 26. He hasn't even turned 30 yet. He hasn't really, you know, he's gone through adversity, but he hasn't gone through, you know, many losses. And he might not have to. He might not have to. Nobody's immune to that first L. But, you know, once upon a time, somebody comes along like a John Jones, like a Khabib Nurmagomedov, like an Ilya Taporia, right? Yeah. So you never know. I mean, there, there's just a lot, there's a lot of um possibilities that are going on and i love it it, it it's really makes the division the sport in general healthy and fun and great and this is this is what this is why we love love the game love the sport so, I love the game. Um, i'm excited man i love the game man so uh yeah no i, I echo everything you just said so shout out to Ilya taporia josh emmett we really didn't talk about him although we i mean we've kind of discussed we don't think he's really kind of on his way out if he wants to continue to fight these guys for like as a gatekeeper sort of guy then he's definitely appropriately built for that definitely still not an easy way you know i mean he didn't quit in this fight at all he was he was competitive although it really wasn't that competitive if that makes sense he it, he didn't go away he could have quit multiple times in this fight and he did not so i guess what it's kind of put him in a tough spot he's got two losses in a row to the very highest level of this division so Nothing to really be ashamed of, but it's tough for him, you know, when tough. he just fought for an interim title, and now he's kind of, he's got a big mountain to climb again to get back up there, and he's not exactly the youngest gentleman in the world. So, yeah, especially that, got, that mountain uh, on his left eye. Yeah, that was ugly. He, he was taking some shots, man, uh, and 
I'm just. What I, did I, you I, think I, about? Yeah. I'm sorry. What did you think about the crowd at certain small portions of fights start booing? Like I think in the Taporia Emma fight, there was like a time where they weren't throwing for like 30 seconds. They started booing. Yeah. The, this crowd like, seemed to not many. There were the lights were on and everything. Like, but there were some of the uh, the woos were out again. And I, there were yeah. some fights though that kind of did deserve that. They were just boring. Some of these prelims sure. were st- extremely boring. And uh, yeah. we'll we'll get into all that. But yeah, now I, I that honestly at this point when the UFC is making you spend as much money as you as they do now to go to these events, then you could pretty much boo and do whatever you want. That's just what they've they've kind of fostered. They they go out once a month. And then when they go out, they charge you $600 to sit in the rafters to watch Macy Barber and Amanda Hebos, which wound up being a good fight. But in your, in your head, you're like, what the fuck is this, man? Yeah. What am I here for? How about Macy Barber, man? The, the, probably the best performance of her career, right? I mean, I mean she, yeah. she, it looked like a sort of, not a coronation, but it just seemed like the, the one night where she finally put it all together. And I, she's had her finishes before, but Amanda Hebos is the highest level of competition she's gotten a win against. And she did, she dominated her for yeah. the entire fight. It seemed like and the sub nothing like she Amanda Hebos really didn't have much for her. And uh, those demons that have uh, kind of chased her around it and the shit that we've talked about on here, where you know you really can't be in in, in the UFC and an MMA fighter if you're not really willing to take a shot. And she not that she's yeah. not willing, her, her she doesn't react well to them at all. And she was hurt multiple times. She took a beating. She really didn't have any defense. She had no answers for the things that Macy Barber was throwing at her. And Macy uh, stakes her claim. She is 100% ready for a uh, title shot at 25. Yeah, she was calling for a rematch with uh, Alexa Grasso. And I remember she lost that fight pretty sadly. But she did come on strong at the very end um, in that third round. And she's won, what, five in a row now since that loss, since the back-to-back losses to uh, Roxy. And, uh, and Grosso. And yeah, I think this probably was her best performance statistically, eye test wise. I mean, everything. I mean, statistically, she landed 81 significant strikes in what? Uh, almost nine minutes. So not even a full fight. It's her most, most by a considerable amount um, since her debut against Jamie Colleen, whoever, whoever, uh, whatever soccer mom that was, they found uh, on the contender series. So, I mean, you know, she's, she, she got taken down twice. She got right back up, right? That's um, already showing massive improvements from that uh, Andrea Lee fight, which is just a couple of months ago. She's 25. She really just has that dog in her. She really has that power. Sometimes her striking is not pretty, right? It's still, it's still a work in progress, um, especially at range, at distance. I think she's really good inside. I think she's really good when it's a dog fight. I think yeah. when she, you know, uh, even backing up, she has power. So having that power and having that finishing ability in the women's division is something rare that we don't really see that often. And also on the flip side, we don't see women that have like pretty much a glass jaw like Amanda Hebos. I mean, she just does not like, she just looks uncomfortable there. I think maybe, you know, I don't know if she can really make the weight at 115, but she probably has to stay there, man. She has to yeah. stay away from the hard hitters. And I, she was doing this thing where she was like putting her hands above her head, kind of like stretching her arms. And like, I, I don't know what it was. It looked really like she just, she, she just looks uncomfortable. Man. Yeah. Like she doesn't know what she wants to do. You know, like she can get some takedowns, she can do that, but and she has some decent little hands. Like she's quick, but she doesn't have power, and she doesn't know how to absorb power. So that combined, I I just don't know what you do with her at this point. You know, it's not like she's like twenty three years old. I believe she might be approaching thirty, 
I could be. Yeah, she's she's twenty nine. If I do math, if I can do math correctly, twenty. Yeah, she's twenty nine. So I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know what exact. And she's thirty soon. She's thirty in August. Like you know, she's she's starting to get to that point where it's um, it's shit or get off the pot, I guess. And I just don't know if she's really. I don't think her high her her ceiling is as high as I and maybe a, a lot of people thought uh, originally. Did you know Caitlin Chukagian changed her name? I did not. I just saw this. What is it? <laughs> I just saw this on the UFC <laughs> rankings because I was about to tell you guys that Amanda is 11 in both divisions, and I agree 100% that she should be dropped. Uh, she should drop down to 115 if it's even possible. I mean, it has been in the past, but I would like to not see her, like you said, fight these women that are throwing bombs at her. But uh, Caitlin <laughs> Sermonara. Is the new okay. Caitlin Chukagian? Marinara married, yeah. So congratulations. Oh, this guy looks scary. Yeah, her, uh, her husband. Congratulations to Caitlin Chukagian, now known Sermonara. as Caitlin Sermonara. So I'm gonna have to hear like John Anik say that before I really give you guys the official. But <laughs> I, I do. I, I just think you know Amanda has hit a wall again, and I, I don't think I think some of her wins haven't exactly aged well, other than the Virna Janjaroba fight. And I, I mean, she—I don't know. I, I just some of those losses don't look good either. It's just losing to Marina Rodriguez, you know, this split decision to Caitlin Chukagian, and then this—I don't know. I guess she's just kind of in a uh, just that middle pattern of just like where you don't yeah. really care, you know. And she's going to keep fighting these killers, and she's really not going to get. She, it's going to take her a while to get what she wants, which is a title shot. So she does have a great topology picture, but. Um... Yeah, I just don't think she can beat the upper echelon of fighters, you know. Sometimes so. you just, the topology picture just isn't enough, you know. It's just, yeah, uh, Mr. Amirkani. Yeah, exactly. You, he, he's a prime example of that. But uh, Justin Taffa, Austin Lane ended within 30 seconds due to a nasty, nasty eye poke, which seemed like an eye gouge. Uh, ends in a no contest. Crazy. It was disgusting. It was bleeding from his eye. Uh, it, it was just gross, but really not much to say other than just unfortunate. How about Big Dan Mergliata from uh, from minute two to minute three? It was like, all right, we'll just just keep taking time as his eye gets worse yeah. with each passing second. He's like, we'll just give him more time. I'm like, bro, I don't think you can give him enough time in the world, Big Dan. I think you got to call this fight uh, as soon as because I'm pretty sure the doctor. I'm pretty sure he told the doctor he can't really see like multiple times or I, I don't know. And he doesn't strike a guy <laughs> who was looking for a way out of this one either. It was yeah. I don't think those kind of guys. Those uh, is he Aussie or is he from New Zealand? One of the two. One of the Those two. guys from Down uh, Under don't play around, man. The Down Under fellas, yeah. I don't think they'll ever look for a way out of a fight. He's Australian, <laughs> by the way. I just that's not something that they would ever do. Like I'm sure he probably would have wanting wanted to keep fighting, but um, just just can't. I mean, truly, when you got a, a guy that is large as Austin Lane, Austin Lane's a big boy. He like, was I, huge. I yeah, I, I get he played in the NFL, and I know he was a big athlete, but man, I just never realized how big he truly was. I know Top is a little smaller, but damn, um, to have you know one of those hands, one of those fingers go like halfway up into your eye, I just can't imagine. No, I, I just can't imagine. So good for him. I, it, you know what truly sucks is that uh, you know only half of his purse is what he gets. Justin Toffa now. Yeah, that just seems so fucked up because he's the one who got eye poked. He couldn't do anything about it. You know, I don't want to necessarily. Um, penalize Austin Lane, but uh, why doesn't Taffa get you know his his show money or uh, his his win bonus? Like why doesn't he get the full thing? I think it's completely fucked up. But 
how the UFC is. It's fucked up, and that is how the UFC is. So, uh, you know, it's just an unfortunate. Uh, we don't get a conclusion to this. I assume I could see them running this back at, at some point when uh, Justin Toffa's eye is okay. And I like to see Austin Lane in there because it really was an eye opening experience seeing how fucking huge he was. 6'6, six, six, 80 inch reach. That's, you know, I want to see. I know he's. I want to see what improvements he's made since I saw him get cleaned out by uh, Greg Hardy and start pointing at the roof. That was, yeah. that was wild. But uh, David Onama. Plus 190 underdog takes out Gabriel Santos with a nasty little uppercut. There. I mean, he, he flatlined Mr. Santos, who uh, everyone while I was with was fading me uh, on this Onama pick. You had the under two and a half. We knew it was going to go one of two ways here, uh, you know, but, but either way, it was ending pretty quick. And uh, now the fight went almost 10 minutes. It, it was getting a little shaky there for a little bit, but. Uh, both guys were landing shots. Onama was taking shots well, and then he wasn't, and then he was. You know, he kind of settled in there later on in the fight, and just a good win for Mr. Onama. Big upset. Yeah, he uh, he kind of has, has an uh, awkward style, you know, when he, when he strikes. So I do like David Onama. I think he um, has... I think he has a lot of potential, but I think his ceiling is a bit capped. Yeah, um, I agree. But man, he's just—he's very exciting. I think I think we we really got a discount on him, or if you took his money line, um, you got a nice discount on him from the last fight, and uh, you know, kind of Gabriel Santos coming off of that last fight. But I, I said it before, man. I didn't, you know, I didn't like how Gabriel Santos took some clean shots. Uh, you know, pretty much in his contender or regional scene fights. And he took a nice. I mean, that upper upper uh, uppercut was beautiful. And then yep. you know, just to just to eat one more on your way down. Why not? Um, <laughs> I'm sure that he didn't feel that one, but that um, that was vicious, man. That was a beautiful knockout. Shout out to him for getting 50k, I believe. I yeah, okay. yeah, I believe he did too. So yeah, shout out to David Onama. Definitely, uh, the the price will be a much different the next time he gets in there because I think we we talked about that. You can go back and listen to the last pod. We discussed how the price was a little uh, skewed just due to the fact that he was a big-time favorite in some of these fights and lost. Uh, I think the last one, he was a big-time favorite. The other one was a uh, late, late I think that's, but. that's something we should start to track. I think, you know, whenever somebody's a whatever arbitrary number, minus 300 or higher, and they lose or they win a, a close fight or, or they look bad or they get DQ'd, and then in their next fight, they're like, you know... A, a slight favor against somebody they should be a big favor or, or a slight under. He was plus 180 something, you know, in, in multiple spots. Like, that's that's just crazy. I mean, I know Santos is a pretty decent hammer. He took him down a couple times, but also he got reversed. Yeah. Um, it was just a, it was a pretty crazy fight. So I'm all for the, the, the Onama show. He, he likes to make uh, pretty good fights at 145. Um, so, I mean, fun, I mean, dude, man. is 145 the most fun division that we I, have? I think so. I, I, I mean, we go back and forth on this, but I think anything under 55 is pretty much just, mm-hmm. you know, and not including really 25. 25 is sometimes boring, but 35, 45, yeah. 55, man, they are awesome, awesome fights. Even I, 70 sometimes. Yeah. 70 does have, um, I feel like, a lot more fighters than like 185 or 205, yeah. but also better and more. Like those, those other ones is where you start to get a little like. Dull, especially when you got a bigger guys because they'll gas out, and then on top of that, the fight will be, you know, bad. Where and it'll go if it's like a minutes. guy like Zalgas, yeah. Where if it's like a guy like Zalgas or Josh Van or anybody at one twenty five, the fight could you know be boring, boring, boring. But then there's a quick, just quick flurry, and you're like, whoa. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. Neil Magny. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Uh, Brendan Allen. I'm, uh, Brendan Allen with a all in. Su- yeah, with a sub cashed in. Cashed me out at plus one seventy five. Same to you. 
uh, over Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva brought the fire to him in the in the beginning of the fight, but uh, Bruno has not took it, taken a shot well in the past, and he did not take a shot well here. And uh, you know, Brendan Allen just got him to the ground, submission, exactly like we thought it was, exactly how we drew it up. Not exactly, but good win for all in, man. He's he's on a good little uh, heater right here. This is big. that was that was big, man. He was you know he has he has a bit of an issue that Tapuri has and, and taking clean shots. I, yeah. I don't think he's on the same level, but um, I think he does eat shots, and I think he might be a little chinny. But when you're that big, man, he also hits hard himself. He knocked Bruno Silva down. Yep. He could have been the first person to finish Bruno Silva with strikes, but three rear, na- rear naked chokes in a row, four of his last five have been by rear naked choke. Um, that's just his bread and butter, man. He really, he really knows what to do when the fight's on the ground. He's smothering, he's strong, he's quick. He's also kind of slick. Like with his, um, you know, grappling and positions, yeah. he just—I um, don't know, man. He's—he's he's starting to put together. I think he's another one like Taporia, like Macy Barber. Their stocks all the way up, and I'm—I'm um, I'm all in on Brendan Allen Allen. I think he could compete at 185. Why not? You know, what's what's there to stop him in two or three years from being a top five fighter or top three fighter or challenging for a title? You know, Izzy probably won't be around. Um, is he got to run into uh, a tough Marvin Vittori? I, you know. I like where he, I like his odds on that one, and um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I was down on him before um, when he lost to it wasn't Carl Roberson. I just can't think of who it was Chris Curtis, and then somebody else knocked him out. Sean Strickland. Those are tough fights, man. Those are tough guys to fight when you're what 25, 24. Yeah. So you know, I, I can't hold that too too much against him. But uh, like we said, five in a row now. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five in a row. Almost all of them by finish. Um, he's mixing up first round, second round, third round, getting a decision in there against Jacob Malkoon in a, in a weird fight, Ugly right? Fight. Which he, where he was supposed to dominate, but he didn't. But still, then he chokes out Andre Moniz, and everyone's like, "Whoa!" Yep. No, I didn't see that coming. I know I didn't. So definitely, didn't. Um, that was that was huge. That was huge. I don't know what you do next for him. Um, I want to take a quick gander at some of these rankings. He's eleven now, I think. If I if I saw that correctly, he's eleven at eighty five. And um, yeah, I mean, I think he's got to fight up like to see Kelvin. Uh, I don't so? know if that's if that makes I don't know if that makes sense ranking wise. Kelvin said he's going down. seventy, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. the only thing that would stop that. Uh, what about that a, a good, uh, Derek Brunson really... if he's still getting after it? Or yeah, I don't see why not. I think that'd be a tough. Uh, you know, I know Derek Brunson might be on his way out, but stylistically, I think that could be a toughish matchup. Uh, maybe maybe you get. Roman Delides, that would be t- that would be that'd be really good, man. That'd be, that's a good hammer to really see if you could turn him into a nail. Um, Jack Hermanson, I guess, could be good. Maybe if uh, Drickus loses, well, he, he will lose. Jack Maybe get him on a, off a bounce back. Yep. I'm not sure. I, I think there's definitely some some fights to make for Brennan out. I mean, he's a, he's ahead of somebody like Nazardine Imabov. I think they're mm-hmm. both on a pretty good trajectory um, to be like top ten five ish in, in, in about a year from now. So I'm excited. How about this one, Neil Magny, Phil Rowe? Neil Magny went to split decision. I really thought this fight was extremely boring. I don't know if that that was just me being a snob or whatever or having watched 37 fights, but these guys were carbon copies of each other, and they did exactly the same things as each other. It's just Neil Magny, I have never enjoyed watching him fight, to be honest, and Phil Rowe, I kind of feel the same way. He's coming off of a win against Nico Price and a win against Jason Witt. I don't really want to see you fight this high on the card, but he gets a guy like Neil Magny who needed a win, 
and he goes and gets it in a split decision. And I really could care less if someone got robbed. I think it was the proper decision, but it was a close fight. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. It just this did nothing for me. Yeah, it was a lot of just grappling, and I think a lot of that was Phil Rowe pressing it. And um, now I, I guess I get it, but um, this wasn't a fight that Neil Magny could look good in. I'm not trying to, you know. No, I agree. Lay him, uh, let him off the hook at all. Um, but I, I definitely thought he won. I saw some people really, you know, really upset. I know um, <laughs> Chris Lee again gave the first two rounds of Phil Rowe. I, I strongly, strongly disagree with that. I don't know how he got the second round, but yeah, I mean it was it was close in the in the way that you know nothing really happened, right? Yeah. Um, but I, you know, in, in what did happen, I thought Neil Magny landed the better, cleaner, crisper strikes. He only landed one leg kick um, compared to Neil Magny, or I should say Phil Rose, fourteen, um, and they both had about four and a half minutes of control. So they really just evened each other out. Phil Rowe got one takedown of two attempts. Neil Magny oh uh, three. They both were around the forty fifty percent range of a striking percentage. So yeah, pretty even just, you know, grappling match, just an ugly fight that, um, I don't think many people really saw coming. I thought they'd probably assume that would be a more, um, um, action packed fight, but yeah, kind of disappointing for sure. I guess not if you really think about it, cause it's just, this is just how, what these guys do every time they get in there, essentially yeah. when, when they're <laughs> evenly mad. I don't know. It just, this did nothing for me, but neither did it this did, one. Yeah. Randy Brown, Wellington Terman. Wellington coming down the 170. I think it's his 170 debut, if I'm not mistaken. I think his yeah. last fight there was Petrosky, and he, that didn't go well, so he dropped down the 170. Fought Randy, the rude boy, Brown. And uh, Randy Brown did not look good in this fight. Uh, I mean, Wellington pushed a lot of you know the grappling sort of up against a fence, and Randy was getting hit with clinch shots, and it looked like his eye was blowing up at one point, and it... I mean, unanimous decision, I, I I don't know. I just left this thinking, like, uh, Randy Brown didn't do – I mean, I know I had inside the distance, but even if he was able to, you know, p- impose his will and walk him down a little bit, it just seemed like Randy kind of gassed out towards the second half of this fight. And Wellington's not that good anyway, so he wasn't going to be able to really do anything about it. So, yeah, I mean – Yeah, weird fight. Weird, weird fight. I don't know. Uh, I was, like you said, boring. Uh, I think Randy Brown did the did the better – Striking, I think he had the better damage. He was doing oh, yeah. really well at low kicks, but uh, just a lot of inactivity in between shots, you know, kind of just firing one big shot and then circling and then a faint and then circle and then circle and circle. Then so, a clinch. Yeah. Yeah, then a clinch. They both did some decent work inside the clinch. Distance is where Randy Brown pretty much separated himself uh, from striking distance. They both had the same amount of leg kicks. Um, they both went to the body a decent amount. Both went to the head a decent amount. <clears throat> Pretty much just <laughs> kind of like the last fight. It kind of, they kind of just mirrored each other. Yeah. Uh, and one guy won 29-28 on all three scorecards. So, uh, yeah, not really much to write home about. Matus Renbetsky, uh, as I uh, figured out that there, like you said, there is an end somewhere in there that's not visible <laughs> to the human eye. But uh, <laughs> he gets a l- overhand left knockout over Mr. Rodzabov. Rodzabov. Yeah. Loik. <laughs> now listen, Mister. Is he the the Tajik Tank? Is that is that that's his nickname, right? Yeah. He did not look good at all this weekend, man. I mean, Matus put it on him, but uh, those leg kicks really, really just hampered him, and he was cooked by the end of the first round. And he was standing square, just eating leg kicks on either side of his legs, and the, that decision bet never had a fucking chance. This is my worst bet of the night, but. Uh, 
Yeah. Like you said, Mr. Rebetsky is not, Rebetsky is not a uh, joke in there. He's 18-1. He, uh, he, he fights like an absolute savage. So uh, I got sped accordingly next time, and I won't be uh, – I had a little bit more <laughs> respect for the Tajik tank, and he did me wrong, so – he got tanked. Yeah, I think this is another one where you know, the betting odds came down because he didn't he didn't put Nick Fury out cold or or finish him. He just won a thirty twenty five ass beating, and now he's fighting Radzibov. I don't know, man. I've never been high on Radzibov, and I've you know yeah. I trust other. There's some people I trust with a I trust their opinion more than mine's, and they same thing. They didn't you know never really been high on, on Radzibov, and he yeah he didn't look good. He doesn't look like he knows how to defend a strike to, from any angle, low kick, uh, left hand, anything. His movement's not great. I don't know. He um, <laughs> maybe he had an injury. I don't know. I, I just thought Renbetsky was better everywhere and could cancel out anything he wanted to do. And I don't think he even knew what he wanted to do. So um, yeah, there was no Tajikistan. <laughs> they, they've been on a no. There wasn't it at all, right? Like so. I thought this was you know an easy, easy win if you had Renbetsky. Um, but yeah, I mean Radzivov, Tajikistan. They've been going. Through, they've been they've been on a heater. So. Um, it's good to to cool that off a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. It's not was not a good look for uh, Mr. Loik. He he did not look good at all. But uh, Tabitha Ritchie, Jillian Robertson, this was boring as well. If we're being one hundred percent honest, I really wanted more grappling. I think that would have been more exciting because these are two talented grapplers. But usually, like we, uh, we like we know and we've seen in the past, that kind of when that situation. Uh, happens they kind of cancel each other out and the fight is more takes place on the feet and that's kind of what happened here and we like we talked about tabitha ritchie would be the better fighter on the feet and she wins a unanimous decision victory jumps to nine and one cashes out our money line at minus 125 so no no complaints from me no no not at all i mean she's she is not the most accurate right very low percentage of strikes i think that's going to really leak it though too both these girls were leaking she was leaking yeah I think her nose from that uh, was an elbow. I want to say it was an elbow from Jillian in, in, in the clinch. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct, but you know, thirty percent, thirty-seven percent on takedowns, thirty-one percent significant strike percentage. Yep. Uh, I think even less than that on on her total strike percentage. So uh, it's something that that's something she needs to work on. I, I don't think her game will will work at the, at the high level. Honestly, I, I feel bad because I love Tabitha Ricci, love her Instagram, love it all, but. Um, you know, she has a dog, she'll go for it, but yeah, man, I, I just don't think she's going to win many ranked fights. You know, as some, of the, some of these women are just stronger, bigger, she's and too small, quicker. man. Yeah, she is too small. She's really, uh, um, she needs one Oh five. Yeah. Um, maybe she goes to Ryzen, wins a belt. No, like I'm being Risen. dead serious. Like, cause I think if a UFC had a one Oh five, she would probably be my pick. Like, I mean, I'm sure people would emerge, but like from the UFC, she would be my pick to be the champion because I, I think it would. I mean, she's five one, and her reach is yeah. almost at uh, under sixty. Like it's, it's low sixties. Like is she and she um, still competes with girls like a Jillian Robertson who came down in weight, uh, you know, who's much yeah. bigger than her, and she kind of dominated the uh, striking exchanges. So I know they got they just got rid of one forty five. I, I, they probably won't add one hundred five, but I feel like with the Chinese market and the Asian markets, they're they're really tapping into. There's a lot of opportunity to find, you know, somebody like Luma Luke Boonmi. She should be at 105. Yeah. And I don't know if this is uh, stereotypical or not, but there is a lot of Asian women who are smaller. I mean, look at Risen. Look at um, 
one F one. one, one they, no, they have, they have atom of, weights and everything. No, like a lot of these right, American. One. Yeah. God, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, you were you were on. Okay, keep going. No, uh, like a, a lot of those, like uh, I guess Asian and sort of even uh, not even really European. It's more of just the Asian uh, markets. They do have those atom weight divisions, and the American ones, like a Bellator, doesn't. They don't have atom weight, right? Because otherwise, no. I'm pretty sure that's they don't where, have anything. No, they like they really don't. They really, I don't, do. They even have straw weight. They, I don't think they do. So it's like, I think that's a weight class that would 100 percent be one of the easily one of the most exciting women's divisions. Way more uh, exciting than the 35 or 45 divisions. The higher you get, the less exciting those fights would be. And uh, leave PFL to have the 45, 55. Like you can just focus yeah. your thing. I mean, maybe they want to say, hey. Uh, Ryzen one, all those uh, you know, those Asian uh, promotions, they can have the 105s, and we'll just focus on our 15 to 35. That's that's fine, but I think uh, it's something worth looking, like you said, worth looking into. They have the road to the UFC competition, so they're obviously looking into expanding into the Asian market. I uh, I think it's not a bad idea. Maybe one one 105, and I'm sure there's plenty of people of plenty of nationalities. Girls that uh, will yeah. be able to make 105, no problem, and, and would be able to compete at a high level, like like Tabitha Ritchie. Yeah, I don't see why not. It's funny. Like, there, also, there'd be a lot of Brazilians. Yeah, you know, I know Brazilians are big, big people, but there's so many Brazilians that fight. There's going to be some smaller girls that you know don't fight like a smaller girl because they're you know Brazilian and they're savages. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't get it. You just saw Joshua Van coming from. Uh, I think he was born in Myanmar. Um, so that's that Asian market you tap right into. It. I mean, they have a, a PI in China now. Um, you, like you said about the road to the UFC, we've seen a bunch of uh, Asian fighters who are lower lower weight make their debuts and and kind of um, you know try to make make a make a footprint an imprint on the UFC. Um, so I don't see why why not. You know, I mean, look at was it Angela Lee? Is that her name? The one hundred and five champ? Yeah, Christian so. Lee's sister. She's a monster, man. She's she's so fun to watch. So, yeah, you know, Dana White's very stingy, and he wants to make super fights with billionaires. But uh, you know, who knows? Is Angeli Angeli is not going to fight anymore? She said, right? She's ret- she's likely not coming back because her well, sister killed herself because her she wanted died, to quit. Yeah. I saw something along those lines where her dad made her like her dad. Their dad has been like drilling this into them that they have to be this and that. And she, it's a sad story. I don't really that want sucks. to get into that too much. But uh, Josh Joshua Van, like you mentioned, a split decision. This guy looked great. I really don't know how this was a split decision. I, I don't know how somebody gave Zamagulov two rounds. But uh, I mean, he looked very. He didn't look horrible. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all you need to know. Uh, that guy <laughs> gave him the round. But uh, Zamagulov just really n- not at the level. Not at that UFC level. He's just not. And it's, I think it's it's just as simple as that. Like to see Joshua Van uh, fight against a guy who can give him a little bit more resistance. I don't know, but I mean, I guess it's what decision he was. Uh, Joshua Van looked good. I don't want to take anything away from him. I love this boxing. I love this takedown defense. I think he has everything so far, skill wise, to start his ascent up to twenty five ranking. So, good, good win. Yeah, he um, only twenty one. I think he's probably the third or fourth youngest fighter on the roster. Barry Luxembourg giving the third round to Zalgas. That just doesn't make sense. Crazy. Um, Zalgas landing 35% of his strikes to 51 for Van. Good shit there. Van was 0-2 on takedowns. Zalgas 105. I believe Van uh, set a flyweight debut record for strikes landed. I uh, I saw that John Anik heard, I should say. John Anik said 
he um, he landed the second most significant strikes in flyweight history. Believe that was a lie. He landed the seventh most. Either way, not here to be the John Anik checker, but once once in a while he gets things wrong. I know he's a bit of a robot, but um, yeah, I mean Van looked awesome, and you know I, there wasn't much tape on him, so um, I kind of didn't take him seriously. Looked really good in the clinch. He looked really good on the outside. He didn't go to the legs as much, but I think that's kind of a, a Zuma Gulov thing since he's so, you know, just got short arms and he's small. He likes to throw a lot of light kicks. Um, but yeah, I mean, Van went to the body, went to the head, mixed it up, and he, he had Zalagas' uh, you know, his little haircut bobbing around and bouncing around all night, really. I mean, he was landing some good shots, had him bloodied. Almost got, I think at one point he almost got him out of there, right? Against the cage. He had him, you know, kind of covering up. Um, so for twenty-one year old man, no matter what you want to say again about Zalgus, thirty-four has a bunch of fights, a bunch of experience. Uh, I think this is a pretty good, pretty good debut for uh, for Van. Absolutely, I can't wait to see him again. How about Chepe? Chepe Mariscal getting in there against Trevor Peak. Trevor Peak had all the hype behind him. I think we both had Peak inside the distance just because of the way he fought, he fights. And I will always say that that is a good bet because that man has every intention when he gets in the octagon of ending the fight violently. But just a little too wild here, and he fought a guy who was more refined, more of a veteran, and really didn't fold under the pressure. Uh, so Machine Gun gets the victory, and uh, you know he really wasn't trying to get Peak out of there because it really wasn't going to happen. Peak's got some crazy grappling where he just kind of never quits. On a position, and I wish some guys would take. I mean, he, he, his gas tank kind of escaped him towards the end, but that's understandable when he's just exploding out of these positions and getting up. Uh, I guess I, I'd like to see Trevor Peak again. I'd like to see him kind of chill the fuck out and uh, maybe try to use a little bit of technique when he gets in there. But I guess that's just kind of what makes him exciting, and that's just who he is. I mean. So. Dude, he's throwing inside leg kicks with his back against the cage. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, nobody, that doesn't happen. Like, nobody does that. No. Um, he's insane. And then, he's just insane. And then, you know, when you throw a huge, over, a huge right hook and then use that right hook to throw a, a, a back fist without the spin, you know, he's throwing non spinning, spinning back fist. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it wasn't landing, nothing he was really doing was working. And I think he's going to run into that problem a lot of lightweight. But he's also going to run into some guys like, you know, Eric Ghost, Pepper, Gonzalez, and whatnot. Because 155, is there's so many guys, right? He's going to get some wins. But, yeah, he, you know, his cardio is really, really, uh, really not good. Um, no. There's a lot. There's a lot about his game that's just not good. But he did take his first loss. So, you know, imagine he comes in there next and he's, you know, looking like a goddamn boxing champ. That would be kind of interesting. But, yeah, Chepe Myerscal, I think he might be able to do well at at a uh, at bantamweight or a featherweight, is it featherweight, featherweight, yeah. Because yeah. um, he moved up for this fight, and I was, you know, he, he looked pretty small, um, but he, you know, took him down. He he out physical Trevor Peak the whole time, so took him down four times, just kind of just bodying him, you know, like tossing him around. Um, so he looked good, uh, good debut for him. Trevor Peak definitely got to just back to the drawing board. Yeah, I'd like to see him train in a legitimate place that kind of somebody's going to be like, hey, man, this isn't it. You know, I, I get you're exciting, but you can still have elements of that, but let's hone it in a little bit because it's just to his detriment at some points. But Jack Jenkins gets a unanimous decision, not unanimous decision, a split decision victory over Jamal Emmers, who kind of had the fight to get onto there to make weight and, you know, beat the scales. 
Uh, I just think Jamal just really a lot left to be desired here. Uh, you know, lots of leg kicks. He was doing good with there, but Jack Jenkins was landing his fair share of leg kicks and bomb leg kicks at that. Uh, just more, uh, I guess, tech, technical striking and more compact. Everything kind of uh, just straight up the middle. Uh, it just Jack Jenkins just looked better on uh, Saturday uh, afternoon and. I don't know. I just Jamal Emmers really just didn't give me much to uh, be happy about. or really wasn't chasing that. I mean, we had what? I had inside the distance. So did you. That was just kind of a shot bet. But uh, yeah. it, really, it really never even came close uh, on either side, to be honest. So No, and they were pretty close, like most of the numbers. Uh, Jamal Emmers landing a much lower percentage of his strikes. But, yeah, like you said, he kind of just, you know, really has nobody to blame but, but himself. However, um, uh, you know, Chris Lee and Sal Diamato giving uh, Jack Jenkins the first two rounds. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. The other judge gave all three rounds to Jamal Emmers. I also don't know about that. Yeah, I don't agree with uh, any um, of the cards, to be honest. Troy Winkapal. Yeah, I just, you know, can't co-sign on any of that. Um, but you when you have a pretty much a even sloppy, not sloppy, but kind of just even fight, uh, I guess sometimes, it, it, you know, it's pretty difficult in there, so... Good win, though. Good win for Jack Jenkins, man. And uh, get the shit on Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg on the way out. So good weekend for Jack Jenkins. And how about these, I mean, not really the upset of the night, but I guess there was, what, four, these first four fights were all upsets? Uh, yeah, and they were all decisions, too. It was kind of a weird, weird night. But uh, Cedricus Dumas, man, how about that? With a dominant win over Cody Brundage where he really just – had was on top and was on the ground just holding position and I guess I really would like to give uh Cedricus more credit but I mean I really am here to just shit talk on on Cody Brundage he looked horrible and I I don't normally say that like all the like horrendous where like he did not want he the, the octagon was the last place on earth that he wanted to be man and, and I really just don't understand what he was doing truly I mean, to come off of, like, uh, those wins against Dolce and Treshawn Gore and look dominant, and then these last two times, he was up there against tough competition in Olegé Chuck and, and Vieira. Those guys are no bums, you know? But Dumas is more in your wheelhouse, and it wasn't even like the striking was the thing that was giving you the problems. You couldn't do anything in the grappling. And you, you, he kind of, what, like, gassed out in the first... Like I don't, I really just don't know how he got that tired because he was. I, I I mean, what what am I missing here? Like what 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 happened? I don't know. I mean, listen, eleven minutes of control time for Cedrique Dumas. They're yelling at him, in, like, "Hey, man, insane. you need to get it together." <laughs> like, Mark Montoya was doing everything he could, and that's a, that's one of the better coaches, man. Yeah. If, if Mark Montoya, you know, if you can't if you can't listen to him and and, and at least help him out to help you out. I don't know what you can do, man. That's four fights in a row or three fights in a row now for Cody Brundage that he has lost. There is multiple times. So in this fight, it went 15 minutes. He landed three significant strikes, three of 10. Dumas, not much better. He was 17 or 22. Um, total strikes, Dumas landed 77 of 96, just an insane percentage. And Brundage, 31 of 43. Brundage got two takedowns, got reversed. 
Uh, for some reason, again, that weren't there. Jumped guillotine again. Yeah, that's just the side. I think Dominic Cruz, who also, again, I'm gonna say, it, had a great night. He did. He's starting to put. He, I think he's. I think he's one of the better announcers. I think he's slowly starting to make that make that claim. Um, but he said himself. He said when guys jump guillotine, that shows that they just they don't they don't know what they're doing. Right. It, it's 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 a lot of um, indecisiveness and and lack of confidence to really do that. And if you're gonna jump guillotine against Adolfo Vieira. That's really just that's that's a decision. It's but if you're gonna do it against Cedric Dumas, and then it, you know the same result happens, Dumas and Vieira are on different levels, man. And so and and for you to not have success in either department, eleven minutes of control time for Dumas, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, three significant strikes land in this fight. Zero in the Michael Oluksaychuk fight that went three minutes. Uh, four in the Dolce Lugiambula fight that went three and a half minutes. So he just has an output problem, man. I mean, even 20 in that Adolfo Vieira fight. Uh, I, I have to imagine the end of the road is coming for him in middleweight. Maybe he gets one more fight against, you know, he should. whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, no, why he should. should he after that performance? He's had so many lackluster performances. I mean, he won. He has a couple wins. But when you look at those wins, those were, you know, it's like he's showing up for a check almost. And that's just not something that Dana and company, they're not in the uh, business of doing. So good yeah. luck in PFL. Yeah, no, I really just don't. I don't care to see him. Maybe uh, get a couple wins under your belt and come back. But at, at this current moment, like I think you're right. The, the Cruz was awesome on Saturday, and him saying that like he's uncomfortable. That's a sign of you being uncomfortable in the octagon. That you just want to get this thing over with. You're not really confident in how this thing could go. So you, at the first opportunity, jump on something, whether you know it's there or not, just because you're just so nervous and you just want to get out of there. And it came back to bite him, man. He looked, did not look good. It, it, it's not that guy who was out there, you know, put, putting a show on Treshawn Gore. And like you said, you can argue skill level or whatnot, and uh, these are different fighters. But, I mean, Cedricus Dumas is not that far off from a Treshawn Gore. So uh, for him to get dominated like that, especially on the ground by a guy who looked lost the last time he was out there, uh, you know, it's not, not a good look whatsoever. But fight of the night. Josh Emmett and Elliot Sapporia, did you agree with that? I think they just wanted an excuse to give Josh Emmett $50,000 because he had gotten the shit beat out of him. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Josh Emmett getting like what? I bet his purse was probably like one hundred or 200000 Yeah, And then they give him fifty k on top of it. But Justin Taffa, who's ju- he's in the feature bout, right? He's not, he's not a big name, but he's in the feature bout for a reason. He gets uh, a goddamn forearm full of uh, eye poke, and he only gets half of his, what, forty k. Like yeah, and a handshake. Yeah, just yeah, and a handshake, and uh, you know, good, good, good job. Maybe they run. Honestly, him and Austin Lane probably run it back in. I don't know if they're going back down under anytime soon. Not till September, they are, right? I don't think. Okay, yeah, I feel like it should be enough time, right? I would hope so. So that's probably something they're going to do again. I would take Tafa again, but man, Austin Lane is a big, big boy. But um, yeah, uh, not much dished out. Uh, I would have loved to see David Onama get fifty k. I, I don't really know. He what did. He has to do. Oh, he did. Stupid, no, you're good. I'd uh, love to see um, maybe somebody like Renbetsky or Brandon Allen get 50K. But I guess, you know, you really – it used to be a finishing bonus. Now it's pretty much like, all right, did you have the best finish of the card? If you didn't, you're not getting 50K, which sucks, man. It truly does suck. But um, the money that is tied into fighter pay in the UFC is, is just criminally, criminally bad. So, you know, there's, there's, we, we could t- that's something we could talk about for hours. But – Macy Barber also gets fifty thousand, which I think is owed. Uh, but yeah. and Onama gets it as well, which he is owed it as well. But uh, 
Good, good. What do you think about him, uh, him jacking the, the Izzy celebration? Corny. Yeah. Didn't like it at <laughs> all. You were going to say that. No, it was the I first like thing the I saw. Like, like, I won money and was watching him, and I was like, ew. Like, if he did it one time. Yeah, like, it would have been cool. Fine. But, like, but he just the three doing it. Like, it's like, dude, yeah. like, I don't know. Uh, it's just, it, it's not your thing, man. Like, that's, someone else just did that. So, it's like, you'll find your own shit, bro. It's just, you're, co- you're corny. You're copying off someone. I don't like that, but. Yeah. Uh, I did want to talk about PFL before we get out of here. Uh, just quickly run through the card, and then we'll talk about the little drama that uh, went through it. Not like I'm not going to sit here and discuss every every single fight, but good win for uh, the Canadian gangster. Vicious knockout uh, to you know cash out those inside the distance bets. Sabadu Sai with a uh, spinning wheel Nasty. kick, which was crazy. Nasty. Uh, Shane Burgos with a kind of a somewhat boring, but just kind of out of necessity. Just taking down uh, Mr. Nishikawa over and over again. Magomed Karimov uh, dominates Mr. Zawada, which uh, should be expected because Zawada shouldn't be at 170. But uh, some this gentleman named um, Umatalov, Umlatov, Umlatov, and uh, that Mr. Fight was, did you watch that fight? Yeah, I did. Bro, I, so it was the boring part of the night at work, and um, there's nothing really going on Friday night, so I put on some PFL. There's this one guy at the bar watching the fight, and he's just like, <laughs> he's just like squirming in his chair. He's like, "Yo, what the fuck is going on? This this Lopez dude is like dead." I'm like, "Yeah, man, I don't know what the fuck's going on with, with my man Naive Lopez, but he was uh, he was taking some damage." I don't know how that was um, his first loss, but yeah, that he beat Shane Mitchell. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, PFL guys, you know if they have a, a zero next to their name, I really have a hard time believing that. Except for Magomed Umalatov. That guy's scary. Yeah. Um, he pretty much tired himself out from killing that guy. But um, yep. what about Stevie Ray hanging him up? As he should. I mean, Clay Collard <laughs> put him in a body bag, and that's to be expected. <laughs> uh, Clay Collard getting the one seed in the in that 55 Dude, playoffs. I feel like I, this might be weird. This, I mean, Clay Collard's only 30. I feel like by the time Clay Collard's done fighting, He'd be a sneaky good pick for somebody to have like a documentary made about him. I mean, this guy went from MMA, um, like you know, pretty much cast off to boxing, and then he started becoming like a an upset boxer. Like he was, he was getting all these upsets when he beat. Um, I'm trying to fucking think. Uh, Maurice Williams, um, and then he beat Anthony Pettis in PFL. I think that was a pretty big. Yeah, that upset. was a big upset at the time. Um, so then he was he he was just boxing for a while and he won some and then he lost some he had a couple draws a lot of just randomness then he comes back to PFL PFL number one in 2021 beats Anthony Pettis wins another fight loses to Roush Manfio goes back to boxing comes back to PFL 122 beats Jeremy Stevens and he's just had a weird very weird career I can't believe he's only 30 he has like 10 15 boxing fights he has like 34 35 MMA bouts yeah one and three in the UFC um I'm trying to see who he beat in the UFC. Alex White. There you go. You said he was going to win a belt that time. So, uh, almost went the distance with Matt Holloway. And, uh, yeah, he's just had a weird, very Crazy weird career. Career, career. And he's kind of been the underdog in so many fights. Uh, Cassius Clay Pollard, big win for him. You said he's got the one seed. That's huge. Uh, doesn't take much to get a one seed in, in the PFL, right? Just one or two wins. So, how about the uh, Natan Schulte fight and uh, Manfio? Uh, they both get stripped of their playoff spot or something, or yeah. So let's let's just talk about the fight itself 
for a second. Boring fight. Not a good fight. Yeah. You could tell they were sparring. They didn't want to. They didn't want to hurt each other. But here's the problem, right? The PFL made this fight. There's some fights they don't make because of the turn. They made this fight. They yeah. specifically made these two guys fight. They said Natan Schultz, Ralph Manfio. Okay, you guys. Do you guys want to fight each other? No, not really. Well, are you going to sign a contract? Yes. Boom. Fight scheduled. Somebody in the PFL upper board management had to have known. Had to have said. Yo, maybe we shouldn't have these guys fight each other. They're they're um, the godfather of each other's kids. Stupid. Like that seems like a um, what's it called? Conflict of interest. Of yes, it seems like a very, very big conflict of interest, right? Hey, uh, I don't want to knock you out or anything, considering you know you're my uh, son's godfather. And you're my boy. I don't want to fight you at all. Like. You know, we're, we're good friends, we train, and we are very important figures in our kids' lives, in each other's kids' lives. And the PFL was like, nah, yeah, you guys got to fight. Uh, they didn't get the decision. <laughs> they, they didn't get the fight they thought th- th- that they wanted, right? Yeah. And they said, man, we can't put one of these guys in the playoffs. Well, we can just put, we, we can just put uh, Shane Burgos in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, we just signed Shane Burgos. That's our big, that's our guy. That's our guy, man. We got him from the UFC. So they put him in there. In Natan Schultz's place, um, that you, you can't just do that. And what does PFL always try to do? They always tell these fighters they get released from Bellator or the UFC or going through contract negotiations. Hey, come to us, PFL. We are fighter friendly. We will. We got you. We got your back. Right? Look what we did to Francis. We gave him a stake. We gave him a seat at the table. We got your back. And they take a winner of a fight who's also been in PFL for quite a, quite some time now, and they take him. Out of the playoff spot that he just earned. Yeah, the fight sucked. So what? Fights suck all the time. You were the one that made this fight, and now you're taking him out of the spot that he earned in the playoffs and putting in the new signee, who, by the way, didn't look much better. No. No, that fight was boring as well, honestly. And I think the big thing here is, and you've, uh, you've echoed this sentiment, is that the PFL has no one to blame but themselves for making this fight happen, when especially you have... So many people on this fight, on, on this card that were fighting at 55, they could have essentially just had the Burgos Nishikawa fight, one fight Manvio, and the other guy fight Schulte. I mean, and it's I mean, and the whole problem Reyes is avoided. Anybody. Alex Martinez fight Ralph, man. Like, what was the. Who, who is running things? Who, who was calling for and clamoring for that Schulte Manvio fight? Nobody. But now, yeah. we're, what are we all talking about? We would not be really talking about this PFL called, uh, other than the fact that we watched it. It was on Friday night. I love the PFL in the summer because there's really nothing else to watch other than baseball, and that's it. WNBA, which, yeah. come on. But uh, this was a great card, honestly. I, 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 was, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I watched it a little bit at home. I went out. It was on TV. I was able to watch it all, you know, out, out uh, at the bar. Now, Leal, big win, big yeah, like, like there was action. All the Solomon the Renfro, our boy, absolutely our boy. that guy. It's, I mean, that guy never seen a chance. I think Solomon, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, but like, what and now what are we sitting here talking about? We're sitting here talking about some, some shit that could yeah. have 100% been avoided, but they were too stupid or whatever, for whatever reason, they made this fight. And like you said, it kind of ruins. That little bit of credibility that they had to be though. Listen, we're not that. Uh, you know, you earn this by rank, and you you 
it's not going to be given to you just because your name and how much tickets you sell. It's it's all about what you do in the octagon, your points, the regular season. It's all structured. When I guess in the contract, it's really not because if they decide that you fought like an asshole, then they'll just take you out and they'll get someone else in there that makes yeah. more money and is more exciting and more people will tune in to watch. So you know where you see stuff like that, gimmicks like that, is risen. Yeah, um, and once. Or, or even smaller organizations, ACA, ACB, a Russian organization that says, you know what, you didn't finish your opponent, you might have beat him senseless, but I'm going to give you a loss. Wasn't that ACA like, where, where that dude came into the cage and was like, yo, this fight's over? <laughs> and everyone's like, what? And Just he started cheering. Yeah, he's like, I'm not watching this bullshit anymore, it's over. And he like gave like the one guy the win. And I was like, wow, this is some WWE shit if I've ever seen it, man. But And, and you know... For, for somebody, for an organization that's trying to be a rival, they're trying to buy Bellator and be the main uh, rival to the UFC, which is something that they should do for 100%. For sure. I mean, if, they, if, they, if, if they can, you have ESPN. That's a very big crutch to have. ESPN, I mean, ESPN doesn't really talk about you, but you're on ESPN, right? On Friday nights, bars, restaurants, TVs in general. What do they have playing in the background as background noise? ESPN, right? So, yeah. you know... Um, I don't know how smart that smart cage is, but uh, I guess I'll, um, you know. Seriously, why? what is the whole thing with the smart cage? What are we doing here? I guess anyway, it, it must be the, uh, uh, the – you can buy anything on there. They were the Celsius post-game interview and such shit. They were, they were selling anything they possibly can to make a little bit of bread. Uh, it's a fa- we were supposed to see Cedric Dombe, right? Dombe? We're supposed to see I him thought he was this. supposed to uh, – I mean, nobody wants to – it's so funny because, you know, we, we can't let Cedric – Cedric uh, Dumbe fight because he only has eight fights in his career, but we can put B Malecki in the UFC and now she has concussions because she was two and one. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, ever since the PFL signed Jake Paul, signed, they, they, do they still have uh, Kayla Harrison or? Yeah, I think so. Is she a free agent? No, she's still there. So they have Kayla Harrison, they have Jake Paul, now they have Francis and Ghana, right? Three big names uh, at the very least, three figures that are huge, right? And you're like, all right, boom. We're, we're off to a good start in 2023. Well, most of, if not all, of your 205 and 185 fighters get suspended. Um, and now you're changing the, the result. You're changing the playoff bracket because a, a fight that shouldn't have happened that you put together, you didn't like the outcome. You didn't yeah. like the result. <laughs> so you're changing things to um, you know, push the guy that you just got from the UFC, probably one of your most expensive fighters, you're like, yeah, let's just put him in the playoffs. Um, a lot of controversy, a lot of bad publicity, a lot of bad press. I would be very interested to see if Francis Ngannou can do anything about this because he does have a stake. He does have a, a, a role in this organization now. He could be a fighter guy and be like, you know what? I just, I don't, I, I think this is stupid. I think this is bullshit. You should put Natan Schultz back in the playoffs. And I think you should, absolutely. It's 100% too late, though. That should be the move. It is too late, probably. So. Even if they do I, it, it's like, why did you do it in the first place? So I think you might as well just stick with Burgos because it will be the more exciting situation. So, like, you've made your bed just lying in it at this point. Hope it works out. People just forget about it if Clay Collard and Shane Burgos have a banger. And it's just incredible, right? I mean, that's the only result that will somewhat work out, even though it's the PR, has the damage has already been done. So it really yeah. it is what well, it is. They have an event coming up in the first week of July. PFL Europe too, and I got to tell you, I don't know one person on this card, so they're going to have a hard time promoting that card. I'm sure it's not something that they really care about because it's in Germany, right? 
and you just want to put some local guys in that in that thing. But they also have PFL seven. Oh, the playoffs, right? The playoffs start soon. Yeah, in August, August fourth, you got Bubba Jenkins, Jesus Pinedo, Gabriel Alves Braga. That, that, that guy's pretty scary against Movlik Kabalayev. That's a good fight. Josh Oliveira, Ty Flores, Impa Kasaganai, Martin Hamlet. So I mean, they have some decent little matchups, man. It, it's kind of sad, right? Um, they just again can't stay out of their own way, man. They're not nope. run well. The one thing about the UFC is if Dana White says some stupid shit, if he's trying to do some stupid shit, which happens a lot, you got Sean Shelby, you got Mick Maynard, you got a couple, you got a bunch of other voices right behind the scenes. Before it used to be uh, who was the matchmaker? Silva what was his name? No, Joe, Joe Silva, Silva. Right? Joe Silva that everybody used to love. Um, there's just always been multiple, multiple voices, multiple just smart people. You know, uh, the PFL. I mean, I think it's Ray Seppo. Might be the, uh, the the guy in charge of things. Sounds familiar, yeah. I don't think they know what they're doing at all. I mean, they got you know Dan Hardy is, is doing things over there because the UFC kicked him out, um, giving his breakdowns, they, yelling at Herb Dean, which you know I don't blame him Stop for. The but, Stop the boy! Stop the boy! They really truly are just the UFC's little brother. I think they they always will be. I mean, they always Jake, will be. Francis Ngannou, Jake Paul, and Kayla Harrison are the three biggest names. They're not fighting, and they're not going to fight for. However long. Who you know? knows when Ngannou's getting in there? Does he have a fight yet? No. Dude, the thing they're trying to do with Ngannou, and this is this is the – if I ever had to say cap for anything, it would be this. They're trying to make a card, a super card in Saudi Arabia. They're trying to do Yusik Fury, Joshua Wilder, and Francis Ngannou, Derek Chisora. Come on, man. Right, is that real? That's just that's – what that's what Eddie Hearn and people are trying oh, to say. Boy. Listen, I love I love Eddie Hearn, right? If there's anybody, any promoter out there, Oscar De La Hoya, um, what's the old bastard's name? I forget his name. Uh, Bob Arum. Bob Arum. See, it's funny Don how you King. said old bastard, and I said, okay, yep, Bob Arum. <laughs> <laughs> Don King is still somehow promoting fights in in our year of 2023 after robbing Mike Tyson blindly in the 90s. Not sure how that's even happening. You got all these guys. I like Eddie Hearn much more than that. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya goes on cocaine binges and starts tweeting at Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn's like, yeah, I would make a fight. I would like to do business with uh, Oscar. So I like him a lot. He's a fighter's promoter for sure. Um, but I think that big super card, Francis Ngannou, Derek Chisora, I mean, I, I, I don't know how that fight would even go. Um, I just don't care yeah, either, though. That's the big. That's uh, yeah. It's also not going to happen. We're not getting a card where the co-main event is Wilder Joshua and the feature bout is Ngannou making his debut. Like that, none of that is happening. You no. know, Tyson Fury is a complete madman. Every other day is calling somebody else out. So, you know, we're not going to see Francis this year. We're not going to see Jake Paul this year. I mean, there's rumors about Jake Paul fighting who? Somebody in a, in a boxing and MMA? I don't know. I just don't see any of that. Any of that happening. Kayla Harrison lost to Larissa Pacheco recently. Some of that um, star power has fallen off. Yep. The PFL is just struggling. They really just need to buy Bellator and just merge there and kind of just have that huge, kind of like what WEC couldn't do, you know, what Strike Force couldn't do, is to really solidify yourself as the only competitor to the UFC in North America. But, man, <laughs> you know, you signed all these guys who win all these fights, and now they're all over, overturned because they all failed drug tests. It's like, you know, what are you guys really doing? Do you know what you're doing? They don't. It's obvious. How smart is the smart cage? It's not smart. And uh, <laughs> I might get an advertisement on something uh, if I can. I don't know how much money it is. We could probably get in there. Put our only pipes up. Yeah. 
I'll start promoting my OnlyFans on there. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so Same, man. that has been the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. This has been the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast, brought to you by the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. We actually do have a card this weekend, which we will discuss. Abus. 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 Abus Magomedov. Also, there was, a bad, there was a bad boxing stoppage this past weekend. Just a continuing trend in boxing. They're, you know, they're supposed to have a great summer, and, and ju- referees are just stepping in in the middle of an exchange and waving the fight off, so... Just wanted to add that in there. Mr. Julian J. Rock Williams, shout out to Philly. Got robbed. Not really robbed, but kind of robbed. Shout out so. to Berlanga getting that big win this weekend. So he needed Yeah, that. kind of a boring fight. And he yeah. you know, wants Canelo next. Uh, you know, let's let's just settle down. Let's just settle me. Maybe focus on Jaime Munguia. Canelo's you know, going to fight Charlo, first, though. But we got Jarrett. I love that. I love that. I love that. That so much. I thought David Benavidez would have been a great fight, but he's supposed to. David Benavidez can't wants David Morrell. That would be a banger. David Morrell, big big Cuban uh, amateur record, only like ten and zero as a pro, but he's a fucking he can thump man. Him and David Benavidez, uh, the winner of that would truly be the the, the next young king of one sixty eight. And uh, I mean, dude, Charlo is not an easy. I mean, Canelo's going to lose one of these fights one of these days. He's going to get knocked out. He's going to get knocked out. Right? We don't know when. Uh, and Charlo hits hard. It's on man. the horizon, it's, though. Right, for sure. So. You look at his age, you're like, oh, he's not old, but he's got 70,000 fights. You know, he was fighting when he was 12. So, um, uh, Jared Anderson, big baby, getting back in there this weekend. So, not, not much boxing wise this weekend. Um, Boots Ennis, July 8th. Um, and then we're just going to really work our way towards July, the yeah. end of July, where we're getting Stephen Fulton night in a way. Uh, Spence Crawford, and then we have two two UFC pay per views, two ninety and two ninety one in July. It's gonna be a good month. I can't wait. I can't believe July is already here. I know. So the year just started. Um, so you know, time really goes by when you're having fun. Not really having much fun. So yeah, it's uh, time for us to flip these units. We're halfway (laughs) through the year. It's time to flip the units, and now we will do it next time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. We will be back later on this week, and we hope you all enjoy the episode. Peace.